When you play daily fantasy football, should you pay up for those top tight ends or save you money for a cheaper option? We'll discuss that as well as the factors in both cash and GPP games to select the right tight end. All coming up next. Hello everyone, I'm Eric Lee. And I'm Gary Kurtzman, and we are the Fantasy Football Consultants. Uh, just a real quick background for the viewer, we started Fantasy Football Consultants last season. Uh, we had weekly shows, we talked about for DFS lineups, we had cash and GPP. And Eric, I'm really proud of the fact that our cash lineups cashed in and made money for the viewers 80% of the time last year. That's an incredibly high bar. But I think we should feel really good about it. Yeah, uh, I do. And I think that uh, it's important for our viewers to know a little bit of our, our background. Uh, I was an accounting major. He was a statistics major. And we held leadership positions at some of the larger companies in the entire country. And I don't say that to brag, but I just say that so they know a little bit of our background. Well, yeah. I mean, the reality is we either ran or uh, worked in the analytical modeling departments, really, for Fortune 50 companies. Good news is we're retired so now we can bring all that analytical modeling capabilities to you guys. And that's what we've done here in this off season is we've dug deep into our modeling skills and developed models to predict how you pick each position in the NFL and what contest to pick. You wrap all that up together and that is our DFS uh, NFL Masters Class Series, Eric, that yep. they're watching right now. And welcome to our course. This is the sixth course in a nine part series tight end selection strategies. Hopefully you did not miss our previous courses specifically on quarterback, running back, and wide receiver selection strategies. First of all, all this, you can see the videos, you can see uh, on YouTube, and that's for the D NFL DFS Masters class. It's also uh, our weekly videos on DFS and on Survivor. Um, as well, you can hear the podcast on iTunes, so watch for it there, too. If you want to support the show, do us a favor and smash that like button right now. And then you also can click the red subscriber button and then the bell icon to be notified for future videos. But today, we are going to get into tight ends. Gary, yeah. the tight end position. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing about the tight end position is that when you're picking your DFS lineup... I. I most people don't pick tight ends first or second or third, right? You typically yeah. go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Tight end can be an afterthought, and I think that's a shame. Let's talk about how tight end is fundamentally different from the quarterbacks, the running backs, and wide receivers. Both FanDuel and DraftKings offer lower salary ranges for tight ends, so the average tight end is a lot cheaper. But also, the tight ends are much more volatile, Gary, than any other position. So it becomes important to figure out what are the factors to try to determine to maximize your chances that your tight end is going to return value. Gary, we have four key factors we want to talk about. What is the number one most important factor? So the number one most important factor that you need to look at to break through all that volatility and accurately predict which tight ends is going to consistently score uh, high fantasy values is targets. And, and that's probably incredibly intuitive. You, you've heard of the NFL being the land of opportunity. Well, tight end is no different. And opportunity, strictly speaking, is targets. How many times does the quarterback throw to the tight end? And why did I just define target? Because... I have more often seen a statistic on how often the tight end is on the field than I have what targets are expected for the tight end. And Eric, I gotta tell you, 
how many snaps the tight end is on the field is totally unco- uh, uncorrelated. Yeah, I don't think you give any DraftKings or FanDuel points for blocking. No, I mean, that, that's it. That's it. Look, half the NFL plays are running plays, so the tight end's blocking. And, and the reality is this. There are relatively few tight ends that consistently get, uh, get high targets, and those are always the ones that are high value, but those are the ones that oftentimes you end up looking for. So back to the, back to the thing, number one uh, factor you should look at is targets. Okay, so Gary, when you're looking specifically at targets and you're looking at the pass, how far do you go back? Do you look at just the targets that, that the tight ends got last week or four weeks uh, period or the whole season? What's the period of time that gives you the best correlation. Yeah, I mean, from a modeling standpoint, the more volatile your data are, the further back you have to go. Now, the good news about tight ends is um, roles don't change a lot throughout the season. Roles change for other positions. In fact, running backs can be quite a bit. The pecking order can change. You certainly have more injuries at running back than you're in the position, and that can change pecking orders, things like that. Not much of that correlates with the tight end position. So the short answer is look at the entire season. Okay. Try not to look at previous seasons because coaching can change, strategy can change. But take season to date, even if you're in week 8 or 9, even if you're in week 14 or 15, you're better off looking at the full season than you are just looking at a piece of it. Got it. So, Gary, all targets are not considered equal. That's why the number two factor we, look, we are looking at is what are your red zone targets, i.e. targets within 20 yards of the end zone, are even better the targets inside the 10. Um, I think a lot of people use the red zone because that's a lot easier found, but uh, a little tip out there, you can find inside the 10 targets on Pro Football Reference, a really good site. So in general, uh, when you compare tight ends to wide receivers, the average tight end gets less yards uh, and has less receptions uh, than the average wide receiver. So that means getting a touchdown can just vaunt a guy, a tight end from, you know, way at the bottom of the list for, uh, for scoring for a particular week to way up. So um, it, it, it's a major benefit. And when I've been physically at games, I've been lucky enough to sit in the end zone on the first row. Just the sheer size, Gary, of yeah. the tight end. Uh, you know, when you watch it on TV, you don't really realize it. it they're just huge targets and, and, and great targets for touchdowns. Well, and, and actually a lot of the tight ends, um, you know, used to be power forwards or, or even to a lesser extent, small forward or center in college. And why do I say that? Because obviously that's a basketball term because they used to block an out. I mean, you know, it, whether, if you actually, if you, if you go back and look at the, the Antonio Gates, the, the Travis Kelsey, if you just think of the, the kind of the all ten, uh, all-time top tight ends, um, they were almost all basketball players. So you say big targets, and that's a huge factor. They also know how to block out, use the body to get in front. Now, that's, a, that's, a, that's an inside the 10 kind of thing. You don't do that when you're in a go or a fly route or a cross pattern, but you do do that when you're in the touchdown. Right. And that, that kind of a background becomes huge. Um, so I like your point a lot about not just red zone targets, but inside the 10 targets. Um, you know, I'll tell you, Eric, the third factor that you want to consider is who are they playing? Right? But let me get a little more nuance in that. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that isn't necessarily, oh, do they have a good pass defense? Do they have not good pass defense? Look at the cornerbacks. Look at the CBs. And here's what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, a cornerback doesn't guard a tight end. Now, right. why, why, why do you say look at the cornerbacks? Because teams that are blessed with two good cornerbacks 
They give up the shorter over the middle stuff because that's what's being covered by linebackers. The cornerbacks shut down the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two that are on the outside. So you get a disproportionate share of targets going out to the tight end, to the running back, and to the swat receiver. Mm-hmm. Right, So that's the number one thing you look for is what team is blessed with two good CBs. Those are teams who want to target with a tight end. And also correlated, although less so, is how good is their pass rush. Now, oddly enough, this one's also counterintuitive. You want a really good pass rush. Now, a proxy for that is how many sacks Mm -hmm. have they gotten throughout the season. It seems odd to say, oh, I want my tight end to go against you know, somebody that gets to the quarterback quickly. But, Eric, that means they got to have dump-off passes. So, again, right. it favors the slot receiver, it favors the running back, and most of all, it favors the tight end. Yeah. I think those are really good factors because I think what a lot of people just do is look on the face of DraftKings and they look at how do they do against the position of tight end, which is okay, but you also have to look at what tight ends that that, that defense has faced <laughs> because if they face really strong tight ends, are teams that emphasize the tight ends, you know, they can look like they're poor. So um, really good factors. Um, the fourth thing that we would, would point out when you're selecting a tight end is look to try to get home favorites. So there's four options, right? You can get a home favorite, a home underdog, a road favorite, or a road underdog. And Gary, the, 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 of those four, the home favorites have uh, gotten value the most. Well, and that's a little bit surprising and maybe slightly counterintuitive. So I'm willing to bet that a lot of people are thinking, you know, if you're the home team and if you're the favorite, then you're probably getting ahead, right? And if you're getting ahead, then you're not passing as much, at least in theory. You're running the ball more. So why? tell me, why is that good for a tight end? It's a really good question because it's not so true for a wide receiver. But I do think it's the reason why it's true for a tight end is how a tight end is used in the NFL. If a team is down by three or four, uh, two or three touchdowns, especially later in the game, they're going to want to rely on their wide receivers rather than a tight end, with the exception of maybe two or three of the top, top tight ends. They're looking for playmakers. They're looking for people who can score quickly, and those are usually your your fly pattern or your wide receivers who can break out a, a long pass play. When you're ahead, Gary, your goal is simply to protect that lead, keep your drive going, get that next first down so you can keep that clock running. And that's when you're using uh, uh, the tight end. I think another factor which is so important is um, a tight end usually doesn't take shorter patterns. It doesn't take the QB as long. So less things can go wrong, less likelihood to have a sack or a fumble. And then when the ball's in the air, since it's a shorter pattern, less likely to have an interception. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of the four factors we think that you should take a look at. Now, if we turn our attention to cash games, Gary, uh, remember, in cash, you want to have that high floor uh, so you can finish in that top 50% roughly, whether you're playing a double up or uh, 50-50. So what are the considerations they should be thinking about, specifically in a cash game, in selecting a tight end? Well, you know... We've talked about the factors, but when you talk about a cash game, we talk about high floor, it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard because of the reason we've talked about before. Tight ends have high volatility, right? 
and any tight end, even if you're talking about the big three, I mean, even if you get, tra- or, well, now, of course, the big three is a little different with Gronk out. Maybe you can put somebody like Kittle in there as, as the third now to go with Ertz and Kelsey. But anyway, now the bottom line is, other than, say, the top three, with Soval, it's, it's hard to predict who's got a high floor. Now, the factors that we talked about, of course, are a big help. But th- there is some precedent for saying that if you can't afford a top three because you've picked your running back, wide receiver, and quarterback and you don't have the money, that you don't want to punt on a tight end, but it makes a lot of sense to kind of get that mid-tier tight end using the factors that we talked about. And that's at least going to maximize your um, chances of getting a tight end that's hitting a high floor for cash games. Okay, so a mid-tier. So in in DraftKings, um, that's sort of around 5,500 or low 6,000s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the high tier, for those, you know, top three, you're probably paying about 8000 bucks, give right. or take. So in general, in cash games, you're not paying up for the big three. Yeah, in general, in cash games, you're not. Again, it's the combination of the volatility and because of the factors that we talked about, you can identify good mid-tiers with those factors that may that have the high enough consistency that make it not worth it yeah. to, to pay up for the big I think it's very course. similar to quarterbacks, where I think of paying up at the tight ends is a, is a luxury. It's not something that you need to do. If you're able to get a couple of free square running backs, where... Uh, you've got a backup coming in into the, the starting role and it's really cheap. And you have the salary and you think in, in, in one of those top uh, tight ends meet those four factors we talked about, then sure. But uh, it's not a starting point where you wanted to go there. No, I think, I think that's absolutely right. All right. So the other, other factor, the other thing I think you should think about is opportunities uh, that may arise for your tight end in the game due to the injury report. And it's not what you think. It's not that, well, is my tight end injured or not? Obviously, you don't want your tight end to be injured. But what about other players who are competing for targets on that team? Now, normally we think within the position, but most teams, I mean, the Colts are an exception, but most teams have only one primary uh, pass-catching tight end. Mm-hmm. But guess what? If one of their key wide receivers are out, uh, then their replacement is probably not, that wide receiver replacement tight end is not going to match that production. And that production likely is going somewhere and possibly to your tight end. Yeah, that's right. It's, it, that's a great example of finding somebody it's, uh, you know, whose consistency is going to be higher on that particular game because the opportunities are going to be greater. The target share is going to be higher. And you're right. Cash games are all about how do you, for this game, increase your floor. That's okay. a great way to do it. Excellent. So uh, we want to pause and thank all the viewers for watching the two easy ways to support the show. Smash that like button and then hit the red subscriber button followed by the bell icon to be notified for future videos. Because during the season, we're going to film two shows, one on DraftKings and one on FanDuel with our recommended cash games and GPP lineups. And on those shows, we're going to have DFS contests for our subscribers during the NFL season and free entry into those contests and the total prize pool, Gary, is 360 bucks. So it's not too bad. Not too bad and it's free money. So hey, that's not too bad either. So let's turn our attention to GPP tournaments. Okay, yeah. remember, yeah. 
GPP tournaments where we want the high volatility, we want to be able to get way at the top of that, that list out of thousands and thousands of people playing GPP to be in that top 10 to win that big money. Yeah, now here's where the volatility of the tight end position doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Right? And, and in theory, at least, maybe it helps you. But how, do, how does it help you? What do you do? What kind of factors do you look at? Well, believe it or not, it's the same factors some of the same factors that we talked to you about earlier when we were talking about cash games. So, Eric, what do I mean? If you are on DraftKings, it's interesting that different factors um, are more strongly correlated on DraftKings versus FanDuel, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. So if you're on DraftKings, you want to look at targets. Remember, we talked about that. Targets being how many times does a quarterback um, throw the ball to your tight end. Not necessarily how many times did they catch it, but how many times have they been targeted. Um, why do I say that on DraftKings? Because DraftKings has a full point PPR, okay, as opposed to FanDuel that only has half point PPR. So receptions matter quite a bit on DraftKings, in fact, in an outsized fashion, right? Because just by virtue of catching the ball, it's worth as much as 10, point, or, uh, 10 yards right, receiving. Um, the other is, you know, you get that three point bonus for right. 100 yards and you don't get that on FanDuel. So then yardage is is sort of an outsized important. So wrap that all up. What does it mean? It means that you want to make sure you pick the tight end that has that 100-yard game. And in order to do that, the number one factor that's correlated is targets. Now, what about FanDuel? Yeah. Because it's not as if targets don't matter on FanDuel, right? I mean, it's still important. It is. Uh, it's just that it's a little bit more of an emphasis on touchdowns because there's no milestone scoring and it's only a half PPR. Yeah, so in that case, you know, literally almost 50% of the value of a tight end comes from touchdowns. And why would that be? Because if touchdowns were six points, you would have to get, let's say, uh, you know, four catches for 40 yards. If you got four catches for 40 yards, that's equivalent to six points, the same, the same as a touchdown. That's why, you know, touchdown, and, and four points and 40 yards is often what a, what a tight end gets unless yeah. it's the top three. It's huge. So it's because, a huge fact. Because the volume of tight end is, 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 is so much less yeah, so than it, other positions. It's so outsized, the, the value of touchdowns versus the value of receptions and yards. So what do you look for? It's what, it's what Eric was talking about earlier, that second factor in cash games. The, the, when you're inside the 10-yard line, it's target share. Right from the quarterback. So are they looking the tight end's way in the end zone? That got us to the, you know wanting the big bodies, which you read about quite a bit. That's why tight ends, oftentimes at least the good ones, have the background um, in basketball. That's what you're looking for is target share inside the 10 for FanDuel because of that outsized importance of touchdowns. And what you're talking about is, because we're talking about GPP, we want to get GPP value out of our tight end position, um, which on, uh, you know, on, on FanDuel... In DraftKings, we're now talking 3x and 4x uh, their their value, and to do that on FanDuel, you gotta have a multi-TD game, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we talked about what the predictor for that is, right? Target share inside the 10. Now, in fact, the other factors also apply. You gotta look at the pass defense they're going at again. If they got two good wideouts, or if they got two good cornerbacks covering the wideouts, that's another factor that correlates well with both, but extremely well with FanDuel. Yeah, and in getting these two key statistics, uh, in uh, DraftKings, we're talking about 100 yards. And in FanDuel, we're talking multi-TD game. Look, not many tight ends get this, but of the ones that do, 70% are favorites. 
That is huge. So that is again why whether you're playing cash games or whether you're playing GPP, you want to target a favorite and especially a home favorite. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so what else, Eric? What's what else is out there in the tight end landscape of GPP? Well, you know, one of the things I think that we have talked about a lot with tight ends is tons of volatility, right? Um, you can have a tight end do really well one week and then really poorly the next week, which is why you want to differentiate in your lineup. I think is really effectively target tight ends that are coming off bad games. Um, you want to make sure they're solid tight ends. Don't just pick a horrible tight end that is always having bad games. But did you see the, the statistics we talk about? Targets, right? And inside the 10 targets for the season has been good. It's just they came off one or two bad games. Wow. You want, th those are excellent uh, opportunities to target uh, those tight ends for your GPP play. Well, and especially because they may be lower priced. Because Absolutely. there's dynamic pricing on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Chances are their prices dropped after one or two bad games. Yep. Makes Price, them a better value. Prices drop. Ownership is dropped. It's a, good, it's a great option. So, Eric, sometimes in GPP you talk about stacking because stacking is the, is the obvious statistical way to increase the volatility of the entire lineup. And for those so new... Stacking and tight ends. And new, for the new viewers, Gary, what is stacking? Well, so stacking means that within a game, you're combining two or three players from that game. In fact, oftentimes on the same team. So an example would be uh, if you've chosen a quarterback from a team, you would choose the tight end from the same team with the theory being, hey, if that tight end goes off, self-evidently that quarterback went off too because that's the one throwing to him. So it's an increased volatility play for the lineup as a whole. Right. So how does that work with tight ends? And, well, I'm going to first say that most people don't think about tight ends for stacking. And one of the reasons is most people know the highest correlation uh, is between the quarterback and the wide receiver one. And uh, so people, you know, don't think about tight ends. I think that's a mistake, especially in GPP play, where you can want to have a differentiating your, your, your lineup. And it's got to be the right tight end, Gary. Um, personally, if you can pick one of the star tight ends, uh, I know that they're higher priced, but uh, to uh, put uh, one of your, you know, whether you're talking about a Kittle and Ertz or a Kelsey with their quarterback, boy, Kelsey and Mahomes would be a very expensive stack. Um, but uh, I think that could be a possible stack, again, if you have the money because you maybe got a free square uh, running back in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's an excellent point. The, the, the stacking for tight ends is... Less statistically correlated means it has less volatility. It's less advantageous to you than stacking with a wide receiver one or even stacking a quarterback with a wide receiver one from the other team. Um, but the bottom line is this. If you have a quarterback and you don't have a receiver, and this is important, if you don't already have a receiver from that team, um, then it's absolutely something worth thinking about if the tight end meets some of that other, some of the other factors, some of the other criteria we talked about. Because hey, the reality is this: with all the volatility, and frankly, with all the luck involved in this position, um, it's oftentimes worth a shot in the dark just to say, hey, you know what? If this is the game that tight end goes off, my quarterback's going to go off too, and uh, it's not a bad play at all. N not, not at all. So, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody for, uh, for tuning in and watching. We really appreciate your support. Absolutely. And, you know, here at FantasyFootballConsultants.net, we're, we're still trying to build that football community. Eric, this is only our second year. 
Yeah. Uh, they were creating these videos and broadcasting to the viewer. So what I would appreciate from, from you, the viewer, is just if you like our message, please share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your fantasy league mates. Uh, go ahead and share links to our videos or simply word of mouth. And not only that, but you know, share your thoughts and comments with us. So below the video on the comment section, please absolutely feel free to send us messages what kind of strategies that we said that you liked. Uh, what strategies did we say uh, that you didn't like, that you've used in the past and you feel personally that didn't work, or even better yet, are there any strategies that we missed that you'd like to bring us our attention to? Any and all feedback is great. Again, it all helps to build that football community that we'd all benefit from. Yeah, and we make an effort to respond to every comment. So uh, we're a smaller channel, so we can still do that. Um, so uh, again, thanks for, for joining us. Remember, this is just one part of a nine-part series. Uh, the next class is all about defenses. So when you play DFS, what defense should you be targeting and what factors should you be considering? And that video is right over there. If you uh, have missed any of the uh, previous sessions, you can, you can catch them from the beginning on our beginner show by clicking on the video here. And until our next video, we'll see you next time. See you then.